You know, as we, we look at the, the news that's going on all around us, there's no good news. You turn on the radio, you turn on the TV, or whatever, whatever source you use to obtain your, your news, and there's nothing, nothing there that is exalting. It's all depressing. I was watching Newsmax this week, and they were talking about this lady that was getting ready to retire in New York City. She had six months to go. And usually whenever they show a, a brutal episode, they fuzz it out. This time they didn't do it. And as I was watching that, this, this lady, firefighter, was standing on the corner, and all at once you seen the blur of a man that came and tackled her, and he stabbed her so fast, 24 times, killing her right on the spot. When I saw that, I that has been with me all week, and I can't shake it from my mind. I wish I hadn't seen it. But we're in a, a world today where that the prevalence of violence and all kind of crime is the order of the day. So as I was studying this passage of Scripture found in Galatians 4, verse 4, I looked a little bit beyond what that was saying. And when I began to dig into God's word, I was so blessed that I thought, this I've got to share it with you guys. Because this is a fact that if we see what is happening, what is being portrayed all around us, we recognize who is in control and who is do, taking charge of all of this that is taking place. And then we can rejoice because we have the truth presented to us. Galatians 4 and 5 reads, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. It's very easy to miss what that is presenting to us by just, we know that at the proper time Christ was given, he was born in Bethlehem. Born of a woman. But the phrase, the fullness of time, indicates God's direction behind the history leading to this event. And when you consider the power that was displayed from the fall of Adam down to all through all the centuries to the time that Christ was born, there is a power that is unlimited. God had to direct and to, to steer all that went on from the point of Genesis 3.15 where he said that he, the seed would bruise Satan's heel, talking about or crush his head. Actually, Satan would bruise, would bruise the Messiah's heel in the crucifixion, but his head would be crushed and God had to manipulate and intervene in all of the history from that time down to that moment that Christ was born. That is a God of all power. And when I began to realize that God was orchestrating the, every event with Adam down through time to arrive at the perfect moment when the fullness of time. You know, God is, is never late and he's never too early. Do you remember when Ahab called Jehoshaphat and he gave a plan to go redeem one of the cities that had been taken captive. And Jehoshaphat said, well, do we have any prophets here that we can inquire of the Lord? So here come all these 
paid prophets and they said, go forth because God's going to give you this, this city. You're going to defeat the enemy. And there was about 400 of them, if I recall right. But, and by the way, they were supposed to be God's prophets. These, these were not the prophets of Baal. These were paid men that knew how to please the king in order to maintain their lifestyle. And Jehoshaphat recognized that there was, was something kind of askew with this message that they were given this man. And so he says, is there yet another prophet that can, we can inquire of the Lord? And Ahab said, yes, there's one, but I hate him. He never speaks anything good about me. And so he says, let not the king say so. So they brought Micaiah, who was in prison at the time, and they, they advised him. Now, this is what all the prophets has, has told Ahab, that he is going to be victorious. He's going to be absolutely overwhelming to the enemy, and he's going to take back the city. And Micaiah says, I'll give what the Lord gives me to tell Ahab. So he came in there, and first of all, he was kind of sarcastic, and he agreed, go forth. And Ahab recognized that this was not God's message, and he, he said, speak what God has given you. And, Ahab, and Micaiah said that he saw all of Israel scattered on the hills without a leader. And Micaiah turned to Jehoshaphat, didn't I tell you this man never speaks anything good about me? And he says, take this individual, put him in prison, feed him stale bread and bad water until I get back. And Micaiah looked at him and said, if you come back, I haven't been spoken to by the Lord. And you know what? I don't understand how a man, knowing what God's word says, went out into battle and it says adventure, one of the enemy pulled a bow back and let it go, and it just so happened to strike Ahab where the harness came together and it was a vulnerable spot and it wounded him unto death. God's word needs to be spoken and given exactly as God intends it to be so, not spiritualized nor given in any other framework, but the truth that God has given. And so, that was, that was exciting to me because God absolutely was in control. And he's in control down through the time when Caesar Augustus, you remember, he got a thought. You know, we're going to have to have a lot of money in Rome, and so we need to have a registration throughout the then known world that we might have an income through the tax from each individual. You know, he thought he came up with that idea. Wrong. He did not come up with the idea. That idea. God placed that in his mind. And they didn't have the swift communication or ability to get all these things out like we do today. But it just so happens that it was undertaken and that at the right precise time, it affected a young couple. He didn't care about, you know, the hardship it would cause on people. But Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth. And because they were descendants of David, they had to go to Bethlehem to register. She was already great with child. And that was not a pleasant journey, folks. That was a, <laughs> that was a, a that was mileage of about 
almost 69 miles, maybe a little bit more than that. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, they were kind of latecomers. Everything had been taken. There was nowhere for them to be housed. And so finally they knocked on the door and he says, well, I have one thing left. And there's a cave out here that I use to house my livestock. It's private. You have clean straw. It'd be yours to use. Take it. So they did. And you know, it wasn't just a short time later that the Lord Jesus Christ was born. You see, the preciseness of God when he moves, when the fullness of time had come. So God always operates in precise measures. We sometimes get upset because we don't see God move exactly whenever we want him to. But that's where faith and that's where assurance to just lay yourself in God's being and his guidance. Let him decide. You know, I have a grandson that had a motorcycle accident four four years ago. And he, he, he he's just a special guy. I used to love just, when he came into the room, this is his voice. There was a presence there that you just, you just love to hear him speak. Well, in that accident, he lost the front part of his brain. He has been an invalid, not able to talk, not able to do anything for himself for four years. We've prayed for that young man. I'm not sure the plan that God has in allowing that to happen, but I know nothing happens by accident. And he was interested in coming to church when we were over by the airport. He'd come even though he had to go to work right after church. And he was interested in Christ, in the things of Christ. And I've talked with him and he indicates that he has invited Christ into his heart. That's the important thing. If you live to be 90, 95 years old and during all that time you've never bowed your heart and accepted Christ as your Savior, you're a complete failure. Not only that, you're a fool but not accepting what God has offered you. Eternal life. And he has said, if you do not accept him, you're going to stand before him and pay the price of sin for sin in your life. But God is in full control of all nations. In Deuteronomy 32.8, in the NIV, it says, When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he divided all mankind, he set up boundaries for the peoples according to the number of the sons of Israel. Otherwise, God has laid out what nations are going to achieve and the balance that they're going to achieve that in. Job 12.23 in the Amplified Bible, it says, He makes nations great and he destroys them. He enlarges nations and then straightens and shrinks them again and leads them away captive. You know, with all you hear on the news today, Putin, he's going to do this. And the little, as Trump would call him, little rocket man in North Korea, He's going to do this. He's got the atomic bomb. He's got rockets now. And I was listening to uh, Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates, and some of these other financial elites that was at the World Finance Forum not long ago. They were stating how that they, because of their brilliance, their, their abundance of wealth, and their intervention in all forms of 
government today that they should be the ones to dictate to the rest of the world how we should live because they are the ones that have all the power. We've seen our own nation. As we look at it, we we know that it's crumbling. And laws are being passed that are diametrically opposed to what God has said is acceptable. And if you violate those laws, he has informed us that you will be judged. And it's, it's proven that throughout history. Another interesting scripture is Isaiah 40, verse 15, and it reads, Behold, the nations are a drop from a bucket and are counted as the dust on the scales. Otherwise, after you empty a bucket of water and there's that little drop left and you shake it and pretty soon it drips out, or as the dust of the scales, you wipe it off, but the particles of dust are so minute that they're left there. That's how God measures the nations. And you hear Putin threatening now. In fact, it's in the news. He's threatening atomic war. And it might not just be a threat, folks. We don't know what's going to happen from one moment to the next. This world is in such chaos. But do you know what? (laughs) He will not go beyond what God has ascribed to him. He will use his rebellion against God to bring forth God's prophetic word to Precise accuracy and fulfillment. That's exciting, guys. We don't need to wring our hands. Well, the finances may collapse all over the world. You know, I I depend on once a month from retirement, a check being placed in my bank account. And if it's not there, where am I going to get the money? And in my age and condition, I can't go out and work. So it's, it looks kind of dire if the finances collapse and, and that check isn't there. But you know what? God is in control. We're not to worry about tomorrow. We're not to, not to worry about what all of these ominous, terrible signs are portraying to us. We are to trust God because God is using this to bring about His will, about His prophecy. J. Berman Gee said it this way, all history, I mean every last drop of history that this world has experienced, is the funnel unto which God pours, or prophecy is the funnel into which God pours all history. Wow. Think about that. Who's in control? God is bringing this thing just like he brought it to the fullness of time whenever Christ was born. What is taking place today is bringing it to the point of Christ's second coming. And there's no one, no power, no authority going to be able to say, no, you can't do that. And it's going to take many people by surprise. And did you know one of the, one of the, one of the greatest things that's being fought in the church today is the doctrine of the second coming of Christ. Some people actually get mad if you bring the subject up. They don't want to discuss it. Now, one of the attributes of God is his omnipotence. Well, that's a big word we don't use, do we? In Revelation 19.6, it says, When I heard, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of many peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah! 
For the Lord our God almighty reigns. There is no limit to God's power. And yet Psalm says that why do the heathen rage and the nations imagine a vain thing? They say, America, friends, have said, we don't want God's word to rule us. We want society to rule themselves. <coughs> so, but it says that God's word, God is all omnipotent. He has power that nothing can Resist, Doctor William Graham Scroggie. I'm not sure I'm saying that brother's last name. He said this: Christ is the focal fact of history, and all history before him. Listen to this: was a preparation for his first advent. Everything that took place was in preparation for his first advent. Then he says, all history since he came has been a preparation for his second advent. You know what? That's what we're expecting as God's people. We're not looking for the Antichrist. We know a world government's coming. They are, they, they've already got the groundwork and they've got it all laid out and planned that there's going to be a world government and we are, not we, we're not going to be here, folks. In fact, that world government cannot come into existence until the church is taken out of the way. It says that he will let until he is taken out of the way. Meaning that the church taken out of the way and the Holy Spirit working through the church is holding back this world government. But it's all in the plans. They, they're going to get it. God's going to let them have it because it's according to his prophetic word. But they can't do it until we are raptured. And we don't know when that's going to be. <clears throat> we don't know... It might be the next second. It might be next week. We don't know when. God has not told us the moment that that is going to take place. But he has given us signs that shows that. And by, by the way, whenever you have a shadow and it reflects what's causing the shadow, that's what the signs that are taking place today are doing for the people of God. They are showing us. Look, because these signs are here that I told you about. And Jesus says, when you see these things come to pass, look up. Because he's coming. Somewhere in my Bible, I got on the internet one time and I was looking up. It says in a moment, the twinkling of an eye. Just how fast that is. It's in the billionth of a second. It, it's, it, it's a quantum figure. It's so fast, it, we, we can't comprehend it. And brother, when that happens, you might be going to take a step down from a higher place to a lower, and your feet do not hit that lower deck because you're up there. It's going to be that fast. Daniel Chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 is, uh, I think there needs to be a lot of study today on the prophetic writings because there's a lot of wild speculation. You remember back in 1988 when there was that guy that came out, gave you 
88 reasons why Christ is going to come at a certain date. He gave the date and time. That didn't come to pass. So he said, I miscalculated. And he came out with another book. You know what? He didn't sell as many the next time as he did the first time. And God says that if a man comes, this is under the law, he says if a man comes and he states a statement saying, this is what God gave me, I'm speaking as his prophet, after it didn't come to pass, they found him under a pile of rocks because he was destroyed, because he had misrepresented God. Well, we have a lot of people misrepresenting God, but in Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, unto his hand, and everything that was there. Notice, it wasn't the power and might of Nebuchadnezzar that brought the victory. It was that God had said, you're found in the balance. You have disobeyed me. You have not humbled yourself. You have, have shaken your fist in my face just like America is doing today to God. And he says, you're going to pay the price for it. And so it happened. God gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, unto his hand. It wasn't Nebuchadnezzar's power. It was God that decreed that this was to take place. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was brought low during his reign. Remember, he had the, he had the uh, dream of the great image and he found no one that could interpret that dream, and it troubled him so. And yet, Daniel was found. He says, I found a man who can, in who's the spirit of the gods, he can tell you the dream. And so, he brought him before Nebuchadnezzar, and they had prayed, he and the three Hebrew children the night before. And when he came into Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar says, can you interpret the dream? Daniel portrayed that dream step by step precisely as Nebuchadnezzar had seen it. And when he heard the words of Daniel, I'm sure that he was on the edge of his throne and he couldn't believe that everything that Daniel showed him was absolutely what he had dreamed in that dream. And then Daniel relayed to him what the statue meant. Well, he had had an experience with what God was doing. And yet, during his reign, he set up a great image, 60 cubics high, and I forget how many, it was six so many cubics wide. Here, you have the 666 fellow entering into the picture here. And so, They said, now when you hear the sound of all of the musical instruments, when you hear them, you are to bow down under the penalty of death if you don't. So here all these instruments made their noise. All the people bowed down, but there were three young men standing. (laughs) And they couldn't believe it. And so they went and questioned them. You know, we're very lenient here, guys. We, we want to tell you that 
Maybe you didn't quite understand what the king said. So we're going to do this again. And if you hear the sound of the music and bow down, you will be spared. But if you do not, you're going to be cast that very same hour into a fiery furnace and you're going to be roasted alive. And so music's all sounded and his watchman looked and lo and behold, these three young Hebrew children or men were standing and they said, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. They said, if you want to throw us into a fiery furnace, so be it. And if our God wants to deliver us, so be it. He can do it. And so they refused. They were cast into the fiery furnace. It was heated seven times more than what it was made to be heated. And the military men that took them and threw them in that furnace perished immediately. And then Nebuchadnezzar looked and he said, didn't we throw three men inside there? He says, lo, I see four men walking around and one looks like a son of God. And so he knew all of that, but Nebuchadnezzar failed to give God the glory. And so as time went on, Belshazzar, his son, was made king. Belshazzar knew well how God had dealt with his former or his father Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 5:18 it tells us God gave Nebuchadnezzar listen God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father kingship and greatness and glory and majesty and he Daniel told Belshazzar that's when the handwriting on the wall that's where that came from he told Belshazzar You, his son, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all of this. Because of your arrogance and sin, the kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. And that very night, the kingdom fell and Darius received the kingdom. God was in control. Nothing was without his sanctions and control. And so the kingdom was divided into the Medes and the Persians, and that was according to the great statue that that, uh, Nebuchadnezzar had viewed representing the four world kingdoms. Now, why is it important that the Medes and the Persians took control? Because later on it was Cyrus that gave Israel, go back to your homeland, Go back and rebuild the temple. God was repairing this for the coming of Christ. So they went back, they rebuilt the temple. And then after the Medes and the Persian fell to the Greek nation, Alexander the Great took everything. He was one of the greatest strategists in military warfare that this world's ever seen. And he took control. Why is that important? Why did God allow this to happen? Because the Greek language was going to be the known language of the world at the time Christ was born. This was going to be the language that would be used to carry the gospel message throughout the then known world. That's why it was important that Greek or the Grecians took world dominion. And so, that's what the disciples, that's the language the disciples used 
as they went and they spread the good news of the kingdom. And then a third kingdom, or a fourth kingdom, Rome was to be established as a world ruler. You know, there, we've had men, Napoleon wanted to be the world ruler. Didn't work out. Hitler was going to have the thousand year reign of the Third Reich. It didn't work out. It's according to God's timing and no man can go beyond what God says. This is the point you're going to come up to and no further until in my power I give you the ability to do so. So then Rome came and what was significant about Rome? All the roads that they built throughout the dominion of the Roman Empire were the very roads that the disciples and those that followed Jesus Christ used to take the gospel to the world. All-powerful? God is all-powerful, and God is just as powerful today. What's going on will be according to his granting these governments the power to establish this world government. God had directed all these events by his almighty power to the perfect timing that's recorded in Galatians 4.4 when the fullness of time, the precise time, God sent forth his son. And so what we're seeing today, instead instead of, of fretting about it, it doesn't do any good to worry about it. But there are people that go to bed at night that they are terrified. They don't know whether they're going to wake up the next day or not. I like what Chuck Smith, uh, pastor at Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa, said about this whole thing. He said, you know, if they drop an atomic bomb, I hope it's right over my rooftop so I can get there in a hurry. (laughs) That's how much he feared all this stuff. And you have to be careful. I have to be careful because I get so angry sometimes that I have to repent. It says, be angry and sin not. Well, yeah. But when I hear, and when I, I won't go there. You don't need to hear it and I don't need to say it. <laughs> but God is taking America and leading her in a direction that's going to be her demise so that the European countries over there that says the old Roman Empire is going to be revived and the world government will be located in that area. That's what is happening today. So when you see some of the silly, crazy stuff that we're seeing going on in our nation today, it's because God is allowing it. He's getting ready to wipe the slate clean. And I believe we're going down, folks. Well, that's sure a pessimistic view. Well, it might be a pessimistic view. But it's in accordance to what other nations have done and the way that they have gone. And when we, as a nation, have been given the light that we have been given, and they could come up with all this gender-type garbage that's going on when schools are being forced to teach our young people things that are pornographic and some of the school boards have got angry because it was being read from the books, this pornography that they're wanting to teach the young kids. You can't say this in this kind of a meeting. 
when I see that I know that God's getting ready to do something. And friends, I don't know whether it's going to be the rapture or what we're going to have to, to go through as God's people. But God said he would never leave us nor forsake us. And so we can count on the fact that whatever God calls us to go through, he will give us the power and ability to be successful, regardless of what they do. So what an exciting time. And we just want to bow ourselves before God. And let's do that before we have communion this morning as we conclude this. And let's just in our hearts commit ourselves that regardless of what takes place, we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to be faithful. Father, we're grateful that your word is yea and amen. And it is truth from the beginning of Genesis to the period in the last word in Revelation. And Father, we ask that as your people, and as we see the dark clouds gathering, that we will be excited and will be lifting our voice for you to give us empowerment to be that light in the darkness that's gathering all around us. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. You have never let us down. We might not understand exactly what you're doing, but someday we will. But right now, our place is to have faith that you are working out your will in each one of our lives. And so we just pray today, Father, that you would bless us and may the knowledge that this fullness of time is being processed right now before our very eyes and your power is bringing all of these things to pass that the end might be according to the word that you've given us and it will be filled precisely as it's laid out. Thank you, Father, for your love and your mercy to us. We thank you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.